0: Okay, you listen to the Tasty Bits podcast. I'm your host, Dino DeCespes, and I'm joined by my co host, Mr. Grant Engel. What is up, man?
1: Summer is fully upon us. I realize it might sound like I'm saying that way late on June 30th, but a reminder that I live in Seattle, Washington. Um, so January is over. What the sun being out and summer starting usually means every few years, uh, unless corporate greedy ghouls change the world cup to the winter time uh is that the sun and the the beginning of summer usually means a world cup is upon us and we get to have that this summer
0: there we go yeah it feels like all is right with the world when we get a world cup in the summertime when we have that um that famous kind of sports lull but yeah before we get into that you're listening to the tasty bets podcast you can find us on twitter and reddit at tasty bets pod subscribe to the tasty bets podcast on spotify Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to partake. Uh quick stats update. So no action to speak of last week. Uh but as a show, 2023, we are still up $94.54. Um, if you actually back out that math in terms of how many hours we've put into the show and in our return, we're we're pretty much in the sweatshop range in terms of uh what we're getting paid per hour. But that's okay because uh, you know, we're having we're having a good time and lots of laughs.
1: You know, it might sound like we're producing Nikes. Uh, on this podcast, but you can't argue with the absolute bangers that Nike has put out. So I just see skyrocketing profitability moving forward.
0: Absolutely, man. We're just doing it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done.
0: So let's get into it. NBA free agency talk. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I forgot that this was happening (laughs) right now as we were recording until you texted me with this just absolutely... Soul crushing, devastating, just bummer of a, a news story about my guy, Gabe Vincent, to the Lakers.
1: I'm sorry I had to break the news, and you know what? Full disclosure, I didn't think about it either. Um, I'm like, I wrapped up my my day job work day, was kind of doing some fine tuning for the, for uh, this evening's pod recording, and then all of a sudden, because I'm such a dork, I have uh, two two accounts where I get Twitter notifications. And one is Adrian Wojnarowski and the other one is Shams Sharania. Um, and they start flooding in. And I think the first one I noticed was George Yang to the Cavaliers. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, wait, what? What now? And then it was just an avalanche. Um, so, yeah, caught me a little bit uh, on the back foot, too. And when I saw the Gabe Vincent, news my uh my first reaction was what the fuck man and i've realized oh i should probably uh text dino because uh, we should probably address these things
0: i'm glad you gave the heads up let's get to the big news though kevin love re-signs with miami <laughs> heat for two years <laughs> wow uh, yeah yeah they're bringing him back uh and him and uh, i'm just joking that's not actually the big news uh but you know he was a great locker room guy you know love the salt and pepper look um <laughs> <laughs> I think I just love the the Kevin Love uh, vibes, so I'm I'm, I'm kind of happy with that. Doesn't totally soften the blow. I I was I was a little bit bummed um, to see that we might be losing both Vincent and Strews, Um just because I think it, it did kind of feel a little bit like either or. But you never know if like um, Riley's kind of clearing the deck for something down the road. Hopefully they didn't spend all their free agent money on Josh Richardson and the old Kevin Love re-sign. He legend Josh Richardson.
1: Active hands, Josh Richardson, if you will. Long. Um what's real long. <laughs> um just I see so many of these deals like they're that are kind of hovering around like that ten to eighteen million dollar range. And I don't know if this is a function of the new cap rules and the new CBA, but it feels like every deal that I'm looking at, I'm like, oh wait, are they signing this person to be a trade piece or what's going on? And I do wonder you know, seeing uh, Richardson go to the Heat and then Struess, the rumor right now for Max Struess is that he it would be like a four-year deal around $16 million a year. So I think that would put it at four for 64 mm-hmm. to those fighting Cleveland Cavaliers. And I think the last rumor I saw from Mark Stein um, was that it could be like part of a sign and trade. So like just a lot of different things are happening and it just feels like... A lot of teams are like okay we're making this move to set up this move and then this move
0: yeah i really like that lakers move especially when you see some of the big contracts that just got doled out for vincent um only because i think it was three years 33 i think so yes you know and then you look at like a fred van vliet to the rockets three years 130 first max deal i know freddie's a really good player um probably like a borderline all-star. I don't, I don't think he's made an all-star team, but obviously won a title. I don't know if he's worth another $100 million on top of what, what Gabe Vincent might be able to do for you, um, especially if you're the Rockets. So, you know, you you, you heard grumblings about maybe the, the bottom falling out of the NBA's middle class, and um, that could be, you know, a little bit of a bellwether. If sort of all the salary cap stuff um, starts to crack down and things get a lot harder for these teams, I think a contract like a three for 33 is going to look incredibly tasty um a year or two down the line especially if he works out and i don't think i mean i don't know would you rather have him or d'angelo russell i know russell's quote-unquote more productive i don't know we just saw gabe vincent play really really well all the way into the finals but yeah i do really like the lakers number i think it's something that we have to track because um i know i got in last week i'm not sure if you hopped on board that one but Plus 1,200 was a number last week that I that I jumped on. Um, and I, I guess we'll see what kind of moves they have yet to make. But to jump back into the NBA news, had a bunch of re-signings. So Draymond, Middleton, Kuz back to the Wizards, Jeremy Grant, Harrison Barnes, Rui, Cameron Johnson back to Brooklyn, Jakob Pertle all those guys re-signed. Um, this one was interesting. Kyrie back to the Mavs, 3 for 126. They also brought back... Seth Curry what was your initial reaction to seeing that Kyrie both decision I guess maybe more like the Mavs decision uh, to bring him back and then also that number I think the third year also is a player option
1: I believe so yes I just don't
0: think you can give Kyrie more than three years so I was wondering if
1: Kyrie was kind of going to do the thing uh, that he did with the Nets where I believe part of the reason he made the trade demand from the Nets was that they were like nah, dude, we're not doing more than they might have done a two. They might have been offering a two plus one with a team option. I think was the reporting on where the Nets were. Kyrie Irving is an amazing, amazingly productive player when he plays. He has, you know, some some injury issues, which you know we always I always say with a disclaimer on this podcast that is not a character flaw. I do not hold that against him. He is a, an elite, world class athlete. Um, it is a fucking bummer when these guys get injured and their body betrays them. Um, but it is a fact of, of um, kind of built into the cost of, of Kyrie Irving. Um, but then he has, uh, let's call it some extra stuff <laughs> around there. Um, now, I, I do think I've made my opinions on Aaron Rodgers uh, delving into vaccine efficacy. Uh, I've made those opinions well known. I, I feel the same way about Kyrie's opinions on these things. I will say at least Kyrie is balanced out by his... Um, really admirable work that he does for native communities in in the country and, um, you know, for a lot of different social causes. But you're like, we're like 15 minutes away at all times from him just saying something wild, doing something wild, and maybe not showing up to work. And still with all that said, he's still such a good player that I'm totally fine with three for 126 because I think even if he does something wild, somebody will give you something for him. Because he's just that fucking awesome of a shot maker and a and a hooper.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's see. What is this three for one twenty six? That's forty two a year for Kyrie. Um, I think I'm on the other side of this one. Mm. I think that number ah. is <laughs> it's high. <laughs> I don't think this deal is going to work out for old Dallas. Um, <laughs> and I think the scariest part of it is Luca right? So, right. I mean, I don't know, what's the probability on this this whole thing imploding? <laughs> like, 20-30%? Um, that's certainly what it feels like. And what makes it so risky is you could lose Luca in the process. It's going to make it a little bit difficult to kind of, like, flesh out the rest of the roster. There's still only the one basketball. One 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 thought that I had is we're really in a different age, you know, not just in the NBA, but just kind of, like, as society, where... I don't know, people's interests have kind of fanned out so wide that you can have all different types of players in the NBA um, with all different types of, um, you know, interests and motivations. And I think it's pretty safe to say not everybody is, like, motivated by, you know, rings. That certainly applies, but not everybody's LeBron or Giannis, and not in the sense of their skill set, but in how they approach the game and basically what it means to them and how much they're willing to invest um, I think we're seeing a lot of guys with a lot of different interests. It kind of makes for like a cool NBA, I would say. Um, I'm not going to be out here being like, oh, you know, shaking a fist, being like, oh, well, why don't these guys care more? And, you know, <laughs> why are they hugging each other after the game? Like, it's just like, it's just stupid storyline. But, you know, right. it, it, is, it is cool to see like all the diversity in, you know, personality. Um, but yeah, with that said, if I'm a GM, not a move I'd feel comfortable making, even after making the trade, you know, there's the whole thing of like throwing good money after bad this could very well be that spoken like an economist. It's hard to argue with a lot of
1: that. And uh, especially like the imploding stuff. Um, Cause if, if he costs you Luca, it's an all time historic disaster for your franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say, and I think, I think we have discovered, I thought about this when you and I had our, our Devin Booker versus like Jalen Brown conversation weeks and weeks ago, which I was, one thing I really appreciate about the way you, view basketball, is I am absolutely the guy, I'm a Devin Booker guy, I'm a Kyrie Irving guy, I'm a, uh, who's who's another, I'm a James Harden guy, and I know you also like and appreciate those kind of players, but I I will fully admit, and you kind of put a mirror in front of me when we had the Devin Booker discussion, and you're like, I'd rather have Jalen Brown than Devin Booker, and I thought to myself, I would much rather have Devin Booker because sometimes I just don't give a shit about defense because I, like <laughs> I, I like to watch a guy get buckets. And, and I absolutely understand the importance of defense. One of my arguments of why I think Giannis is so close to Jokic is that I think he's a better, more eventful defender. But I think you nailed it about the sketchiness that Kyrie brings to the roster. I'm looking at basketball reference right now, so that's where these numbers are courtesy of. Um, and I am looking from the 2021 season to this past season. Um, So I got those, you know, you do the little trick where you highlight those seasons and it pops out the little box to give you the averages. So these are some per game stats. Uh, My apologies for being a caveman and still using the per game stats, but I like, I like those sometimes. Um, 27 points per game, uh, six assists, five rebounds. Um, His effective field goal percentage is 57%. Uh, He's shooting 40% from three and his, and his, regular field goal percentage is 49%. So he's and from the free throw line he shoots 91%. So he's almost a 50-40-90 player on 27-6 and 5 a game. And my caveman brain, my <laughs> uh, oh he's a hooper brain. I'm just like, "God, this guy's fucking good." And he dribbles beautifully and he finishes under the, and he finishes under the rim. Like I just like the way the dude plays and I say all this Understanding fully why you're just like oh, I don't know if I want that guy on my squad.
0: That's totally fair, you know. And and again, if there's diversity in the league with the players, there's also diversity in in fans, right? We we can come out here and watch different things. When I was when I was a kid, I, I liked three pointers, and you know, and then I liked dunks, and then I liked you know pa- you know passing, and you know you just kind of evolve as a fan. Yeah, but. What I will say is, like, we got a lesson this year in team construction Mm. when you look at the two finals teams, right? I mean, imagine Jokic, right? Imagine Denver. (laughs) You imagine if, like, before last season, before their title season, Jokic is like, you know what? I want a big three. Go get me, you know, I don't know, um, Carl Anthony Towns and, you know, um, Jalen Brunson, you know, two, like, you know, two maxish guys. And now we've got a big three, Brunson. Towns, it, you know, and it's like, that's not better than what they had, you know, last year, <laughs> like it's just three good players on the same team. And I really do think the last of like, sort of like that big three era, if you could include the Warriors in that too, um, that's just not a prescription for winning basketball anymore. It doesn't seem like, you know, and even those heat teams kind of struggle, you know, to to beat the Spurs. I mean, they they pretty much walked over the Thunder in their first title, Were Real and miracle shot away from losing the second one and going one for four, sure. and that's with at the time two of the best three, two of the best four players in the NBA in the same team. But the rest of the roster was rounded out with God bless them, Joel Anthony's and you know Mike Bibby's and Carlos Arroyos and you know like you know, they really kind of patched together the rest of it. And then you watch a team like Denver this year where the ball always just goes to the right place, and it's not just Jokic. You know, it's, it's really like a culture of winning basketball. And I just kind of feel like when you have a guy like Kyrie or, you know, a duo like Kyrie and KD or a duo like Kyrie and Luca, those guys and the way they play becomes the culture, you know? And I think it just takes so much to kind of like build a winner. Dallas didn't even make the playoffs. They didn't even make the play in. <laughs> you know, tricky. like you've got, I don't know, two of the best 11 or 12 guys in the NBA, um, You know, not to be on my Matt Ishbia shit, but, you know, those guys are two of the top 12, I guess. You know, if you want to be, I think Kyrie's, you know, in in that range. And skill-wise, you know, he's even higher. But you have to play the games and you have to win the games, you know. And I think that takes more than being able to finish at the rim or being able to knock down your free throws or, you know, being able to shoot in the 40s from three. You really have to do a whole lot more. And we saw Kyrie do it, obviously, so we know that he's capable. But that was as a, a number two to, I don't know, the first or second best player in the history of the NBA, leading them in the finals. So not too enthusiastic about what's happening over in Dallas. I'm a huge Luka fan, but I don't know. This one's trending towards, we might be looking at the Dallas under.
1: Oh man, I like where your head's at. And I will say, I mean, Zach Lowe talks about it um, or has talked about it. Do you want a big three and then you round it out and then you patch together as many minimums and as many as many like wily vets and try to get lucky on some rookie contracts? Or do you go two stars plus depth? The issue with the Dallas Mavericks—they have two stars and still no depth. <laughs> um, so that is a difficult uh, proposition. My my love for the way Kyrie Irving plays basketball, notwithstanding, I will uh, eagerly be looking to see if Vegas overvalues them as well. Because I, I think I'm with you. Like I hope my. My previous comments didn't make it sound like I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm high on this team because I do not think they have a good supporting cast around those dudes, even with the addition of Seth Curry. So yeah, I'm I'm not super optimistic. And we've we talked about it with Jokic and Murray too. Them as a duo compared to a duo of like Tatum and Brown, who don't play off of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you could say the you could say the exact same for Luca and Kyrie. Um, and one thing I I'm, I'm glad you bring up, like yeah, we saw Kyrie. Be the number two on a championship team. I, it's kind of, that's sneaky. Long ago that that was seven. And oh yeah, that was seven. The title team was seven years ago. I personally think the the seventeen team was even better than the sixteen team. But we ran into you know the KD Warriors. Mm-hmm. But a part of that, I think we had talked about it. Like and even that being six years ago, the LeBron Kyrie Irving pick and roll was fucking devastating. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if Luca and Kyrie are going to do that or Kyrie wants to do that at, at this age or, or whatever. So, two, two stars, not much depth, uh, probably not much of a recipe for a title. And I'm looking at it right now the Mavericks to win the title, uh, sitting at a, a, a stiff plus 2200.
0: Oh, that's. That. <laughs> There's
1: no value in that.
0: Um, and now, is there no value? That number's too low. <laughs>
1: yeah, I would agree.
0: Let me kick this back to you. Yeah. Who's the better duo? Luca, Kyrie, or KD and Booker? Mm. Because we just saw Denver steamroll Phoenix <laughs> and then steamroll yeah. LeBron and AD and Austin Reeves. Um, <laughs> now, Luca, Kyrie, and a bunch of um, seven, eights, and nines are going to do what exactly? There just doesn't seem to be any kind of plan. No plan in Dallas, no plan in Phoenix. I think we can just kind of move on. Some other big news Joe Ingles to Orlando. <laughs> sure <laughs> one of the two satellite offices of the tasty bets podcast uh welcome welcome to orlando joe ingles happy to have you uh one more i want to call out bruce brown nba champion miami hurricane two years 45 million got his bag i love that i love bruce brown's game i mean i was hoping i mean at two years 45 no way he was gonna land in miami but a guy can dream um shout out to him
1: i love it um and i love that he did he was like okay I, I gotta make 20 million dollars a year for myself. Uh, you know I can't I can't take that steep of a discount to stay in Denver. Um, okay all right I can just imagine like all right I'm gonna live in Indianapolis for two years. I'm gonna make 20 million dollars a year um, okay, I'll live in Indianapolis and then I'm gonna go somewhere and make you know maybe I can get another good contract maybe I'll have another bite at the Apple in a city in which I'd actually want to live in. Um, so yeah, good for him, Matt. Great, great role player, was was excellent in the finals, did exactly what he needed to do. Um to quote our man Pat Riley was a star in his role. Um and so yeah, deserves every every fucking penny of that.
0: Yeah. I mean I, I feel like if he was if he was six eight, I feel like he'd be a max player with like just the impact that he has on a game. So yeah, I think we'll we'll keep an eye on the the NBA free agency news. Uh, This one just also came across Derek Rose um, signing with the Grizz two year deal. Um, As a rewind, we've got the old Memphis Grizz plus 1300 to win the Western conference. Not sure how much D Rose (laughs) impacts (laughs) that. Yeah. D Rose moving the line. (laughs) I don't think so. Maybe the, maybe the other way Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. And now let's get to the main course. I'll let you kind of take it from here. What's next on the, on the docket. Let's talk some football,
1: man. I love it. Namely the NWSL. Now we have some, we have some matches uh, Saturday, July 1st uh, tomorrow as we, as we sit and record this podcast. Now the tasty bets podcast is going to embark on some NWSL betting. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, we're diving headfirst into the World Cup as well. We'll get into that. Yes, we are in a bit. I just—it's such a great league, just superstars all over the place. I—I I need to find out where I can also start watching the Women's Super League, which is the English league. Mm. Uh, so I got—I got to figure out what network that is on. But I'm—I'm I'm keeping it domestic here. My football snobbery, notwithstanding. But maybe, you know what, let me backtrack on that. This is my football snobbery, still withstanding, because this is the elite league in the world. That's why we watch the English Premier League, because we want to watch the best players uh, perform every week.
0: Real quick, you've got a pretty decent head start on me, NWSL-wise. You know, I'm I'm starting my journey this year. I've yet to really pick a squad. The one thing I walked away with after, I don't know, consuming a handful of matches— took place over the course of last week and this week. I was I think I was expecting like women's MLS and this ain't that.
1: No, <laughs> sir.
0: Definitely ain't that. Oh my no. god, like the skill level, um the creativity, the passing, you know, the anticipation. I mean uh, like this is definitely 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 world-class football. Um I was like it took me probably I don't know, eighteen or twenty minutes for for this to sink in and be like, oh, holy shit! I'm watching, I'm watching some really, really high level uh, football being played here. Absolutely, by no means
1: is the United States of America a footballing nation, but on, in the women's game, it is. It's the elite. I mean, you know, we've won the World Cup the last uh, two times. That's that's hard to do, Um and so it makes sense that our domestic league is kind of propped up uh, ahead of other leagues. I think there are some other you know, if we're talking about women's sports, let's just be honest here. There are, frankly, a lot of other hurdles uh, in a lot of other countries that that they kind of have to hop over. And by no means am I celebrating the women's rights record of the United States. I, uh, but I will say there there is at least somewhat of a head start. And I, I mean, it's the Premier League, in, in my view, totally. Like when I watch it, I even I think the managing is better too. Like, I, and which is strange because that is a distinct. Disadvantage with Americans specifically. Like you just don't have the coaching. uh, You don't have any any kind of coaching legacy to speak of. You don't have any kind of real like deep programs to kind of like dive into. But on the women's side of the game, you absolutely do. If you think about like the University of North Carolina and like institutions like that, uh, University of Southern California, USC plus UCLA, like real programs that like have put together a good legacy of teaching and thinking the game on top of developing world-class
0: athletes. I I'm, I'm glad you brought that up watching the games. It really struck me how big these coaching staffs are yep. for these teams, you know, and it's like, you, I'm used to watching like, uh, you know, Arteta and Jurgen Klopp, you know, just <laughs> running around and it just looks like there's one person making all these, you know, with the, with the PlayStation controller, like trying to figure, you know, try to beat the other guy. Um, <laughs> and, you know, nwsl you know there'll be an injury or there'll be you know a hydration break or something and like there's eight or nine coaches like really like chopping it up and like figuring out what to do and i don't think i've ever really seen that we're used to kind of like the you know the the coach you know the manager the gruff you know like the 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 leader of men you know type thing you know or women in this case um but we're really kind of seeing more like a it, it's really just like a committee of like leadership and they've got like iPads and they've got like notebooks and they're like kind of flipping through stuff and they're just all engaged. You know, it's not the second row Joe's, you know, in the NBA where, you know, it's just guys taking notes on a, on a legal pad. I don't know. It was pretty cool to see like that level of engagement from that deep a coaching staff. That is a fucking
1: great call that I've never totally internalized. I, I wonder if the closest comp we have is R.I.P. to the legend, John Madden, like on a Sunday night broadcast with the old Peyton Manning Colts, and then the camera pans over to fucking Howard Mudd, the offensive line coach. And John Madden's just like, Look at Howard Mudd. This man is a, this man is a great offensive line coach. He gets in there and talks to Jeff Saturday, boom. Yeah. You know, like, like yeah, like I said, like I never really internalized it with these uh, NWSL co- uh, coaching staffs, but you have your kind of position groups, and you're talking about different areas of the pitch that they're that they're that they're strategizing in, and it almost feels like a little bit of American football specialists out there kind of kicking around ideas and, and making sure that everybody's on the same page.
0: I, I think I have the comp. I'm not sure if you watched any of the uh, the Netflix F1 show. I never. I haven't seen an episode. Well, first off. It's, it's worth it um, right. you know and it, it, it's now season one is that far back that you know you're not there'll be some suspense on a, around who wins but um, those f1 teams are massive you know and they're looking at everything every single part of the car and it really does feel like a unit you know there there is like a, you know a chief and those guys get a lot of shine on the show. but when you see how much staff there is, what their headquarters look like, the kind of R and D that they're doing. You're like, wow, this is like a whole operation. Um, mm. And I think that's, that's kind of what we see um, or that's what I saw dipping my toe into the NWSL pool is um, just a different way to approach strategy and how we want to handle things uh, both prep wise and after the ball gets rolling.
1: I love it. Um, all right. So I might have to check out the, the F1 show on Netflix. I'll be the, maybe the last sports fan on earth. Cause I know a lot of people talk about it on Twitter and, you know, hey, man, if you find some tasty F1 spreads, <laughs> let your boy know. I mean, if you got the intel, let's do it.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not as locked in uh, <laughs> okay. week to week, but the show is really good. <laughs> Actually, uh, so let me um, hop in here real quick. So, you know, as as you and I go through this
1: podcast, and I mentioned I'm a, I'm a soccer elitist or football elitist. I like to call it football. There is some European football parlance that we use on this podcast uh, that the NWSL does not use; they use slightly different terminology. So I, I want to get some of this stuff straight. We'll call it a little, a little housekeeping. I know there are some things that I'm that I'm going to slip up on, but I'm going to try to be respectful of the league and, and what they do. So first thing I noticed is they use the term tie instead of draw. Uh, you know, the Americanized version. Kind of dovetailing from that, the record format in the NWSL is win, loss, tie as opposed to the European format, which we have discussed on this program, which is win, draw, loss. Now, just full disclosure, I like the European format of win, draw, loss, because in my, again, my caveman brain, I think of what are the three descending outcomes that I want for my team? I want to win, and I'll settle for a draw, and I don't want a loss. It's the least desirable. But nevertheless, I feel like it's a very American thing to be like, we got our wins, We got our losses, and oh yeah, we can tie also. (laughs) Um, So when we start throwing around records, when we're talking NWSL, um, win-loss tie is one thing to keep in mind. And the last big thing that I noticed on the NWSL website is they use the term standings instead of table. This is one that I'm going to struggle with because I love, when I first started really following football when I was a kid, I loved that they called it the table instead of the standings. Um, and I feel like because goal differential matters in placement, I feel like that's what separates a table from just your basic standings. And this might be a weird thing, but I, I like to look at it as a whole. I like to look at the goals for and against and the differential and um, you know, sometimes you you have away record and home record and stuff in there. I like I like that. But when we talk about this league, we will refer to it as the standings. Just to make sure that we're consistent with the way they talk about uh, the women's game in this country. So those are just kind of my quick housekeeping things.
0: I'm going to have to (laughs) rework some of my math on the fly um, because I I think I calculated my losses instead of um, my ties. And you know what sucks? Now we have to find the tie, which kind of feels like a, a very dad thing to do. You know, See, know, go in my closet, find the tie. This doesn't work. I don't, okay, I, I'm going to suggest that we keep find the draw, just to just to keep it British. You know what? I can I can respect that. I was actually
1: uh, I I should have jotted them down in the notes, but they were all I can't even remember what the couple that I cooked up uh, that were kind of um, alliterative regarding like how to say find the draw that incorporates tie. So uh, yeah, if if we want to still play find the draw, I'm I'm fine with it. Uh, but I think when we when we talk about uh, the league, I'm going to try to at least be consistent with the uh, with the terminology they use.
0: Fair enough. Yep. give us a little grace if we if we stumble here and there. Um, you know, our hearts in the right place. Exactly.
1: Do you want some time to redo the math on your stats, or can we can we kick it to your stats over
0: here? Let me let me one second. I thought there were 18 draws, but it looks like there was actually 30 draws, which would be 38. 0.4 percent of the time there's a draw big number mm-hmm. that would mean you need at least a plus 260 to clear a 38 percent bet um so that actually means the plus 260 is the magic number in the nwsl um if we're looking to i'm just going to embrace it if we're looking to find the tie fuck it our brains are complex i can handle that let's go
1: we could we could do two two different terminologies and if we come up with something if we look if this is the tasty bets podcast and we're looking for tasty ties
0: oh there we go
1: there we go (laughs) we're live workshopping
0: (laughs) what that wasn't on your alliteration uh scratch pad
1: it it wasn't that might actually be the best one that i've come up with um, so that's why i felt somewhat
0: comfortable firing it off there we go love it um all right so tasty tie that's what we're looking for so (laughs) plus 260 that's the number we want to see and we'll see what we can uh suss out the rest of the season couple other stats I looked at. Pretty interesting disparity between, obviously, like my anchor is the Premier League. It's kind of like the league that I watch the most when it comes to soccer um, by a lot. Um, I'm definitely used to the home side really having a big advantage, much much higher probability to win than the away side. 48% of the time the home side wins the Premier League and the away side wins just under 23% of the time. So, home side twice as likely to win uh in the Premier League. In the NWSL, much much closer. Home side wins 42% of the time, the away side wins 34% of the time. So, 42 to 34, much much closer. Um, much smaller delta than WSL, so I think going into the examination of these lines, we want to keep in mind that um, the away teams are a little bit more live than we're used to, and the draws also a little bit more live. That's
1: awesome, man. That's one of the many reasons, aside from the fact that we just enjoy talking sports with each other, one of the many reasons that I enjoy doing this with you is that your math brain crunching that for me and giving me some actual data around it. Not only are you providing a service to all listeners. Uh, but to your co-host as well, and it's greatly appreciated.
0: Happy to do it, man. All right, let's make some money. What do we got this week? Well,
1: I mean, if we're going to start off with our NWSL bets, um, <laughs> I have to talk about I have to talk about the OL Reign. That's my squad. Um, I think you know. I also talk about my my men's team sometimes. Manchester City. They've been mentioned a couple times on, on this podcast. So. Um, what better way for me to to kick this off than talk about them? So tomorrow uh, they are minus two ten uh, against racing Louisville, and I, I guess I'm also technically an Ohio native, so I should call it Louisville. I think is the pronunciation of it um, in that part of the country. I'm from Northeast Ohio. Uh, anybody from Cincinnati and Southern Ohio, I know it's pronounced Louisville. I'm not. I don't have that lazy of a mouth like to make that sound all the time. So forgive me if I mispronounced. Louisville, uh, um, but uh, OL Reign minus two ten to defeat Racing Louisville, who is plus five hundred. But that draw is plus three forty. Mm. Let's talk about like some recent uh, recent events. OL Reign is coming off just a banger of a victory over rivals uh, Portland Thorns in the NWSL Challenge Cup. That match was on Wednesday. Now, granted, the Thorns were missing the league-leading scorer, Sophia Smith, and Crystal Dunn, superstar Crystal Dunn, one of the greatest players in the history of uh, our country, if you ask me. But at the same time, uh, the Reign was missing Rose Lavelle, Megan Rapinoe, Sophia Huerta, Quinn, Emily Sonnet, and Alana Cook. Um, All of those players, aside from Quinn, who is Canadian, all of those players on the U.S. women's national team. Hmm. The ring were able to pull out a victory at Portland 1-0 and just a really impressive performance, defensive performance. Portland leads the league in goals. I think they have 33 goals this season. The next highest scoring team, I think, has like 21 or 22. Oh my God. Uh, So they were... They've been a scoring machine, like I mentioned, led by Sophia Smith, who, granted, was not on the pitch, but they just couldn't get anything going. But why am I looking at this? Uh, you know, oh, the rain are minus 210, and they're playing at home. But to those wonderful stats that uh, Dino pointed out, the draw, I think the draw is super live here. Obviously, the rain played on Wednesday. Louisville hasn't played since Saturday. They have a distinct rest advantage. Louisville has three draws at home this year three draws away this year and uh, coincidentally they are wait do I keep saying draw? <laughs> yeah you're saying draw <laughs> Jesus Christ um, yeah I'm, even if I'm looking at my what I wrote I, I, can't, I cannot help but say draw okay tie uh, yeah they have several they have six ties this season which coincidentally they are tied with the Houston Dash for the most ties in the league. <laughs> and they have a big old rest advantage. One thing that I am a little concerned about regarding this bet is Jess Fishlock, the legendary rain midfielder, 36-year-old, Welsh international, uh, is likely going to play uh, because Wales did not qualify for the World Cup. And by the way, Wales look like, as a footballing nation, they might be having a rough go of it the next several years (laughs) Um, with Gareth Bale, obviously retired. I don't know how that's gonna go for them, but that's a quick sidebar. Um, Jess Fishlock is a legend. She's an original Reign player, came uh, part of the squad in its inaugural season in 2013. The 2021 league MVP, but she is coming back uh, from an injury. Uh, she hasn't played since May. I think she it might take her a little time to get her legs back. When she is right, she is an incredible box to box midfielder who pushes the pace of the game. If she comes out and and she is hyper aggressive out on the field, if she comes out. She might help create more goals than Louisville is able to keep pace with, but I just think it's tough for a 36-year-old player to come out and absolutely dominate in their first game back after a month-plus layoff. So, with all of that said, uh, while I obviously root for the rain to win every game they play, I'm going to try to find a tasty tie at plus 340, so give me racing Louisville to come to the beautiful Emerald City of Seattle and walk away with a surprising tie.
0: Oof, I love this. We were talking about just kind of like all of the star power that is essentially going offline to the World Cup. And it isn't just that. It's also the disarray, you know, after losing some some of these key, key players. Yep. I mean, you look at like a Sophia Smith, just kind of how productive and dangerous she is. And I think you passed that link on to me of teams sort of like missing players. And yeah, oil rain, seven players. That's right. Look like they might be offline for this one Um, or probably confirmed at this point. Love the plus three forty, And then you look at um, Louisville's gold differential. They're plus two. They've scored 15. They've given up 13 decent record. They're right around 500, three, four, and six. So I like it. I will be tuned in and I will be pulling for the tie. I like it. I did have a line that I liked. Let's go. My hometown Orlando pride. Yes. They are plus. 360 on a draw no bet versus um washington spirit i'm gonna make this my inaugural tasty bets podcast nwsl pick my hometown gals um put up a, a really really good fight in the loss last week i just kind of like what i saw i mean they, they are losing i think both marta and adriana uh, both heading to the brazilian squad to represent um, that country in the world cup but plus 360 like i said on the draw no bet I don't know. Seems tasty. You know, I'll take that one for a spin. I'm going to be a little bit responsible because we do like to gamble responsibly on this show. I'm going to dip my one little toesy in with a half unit on that one. But the odds are real nice and um, two pretty decent outcomes. A win would be awesome and a, a tie doesn't hurt us. Is it a tie? No bet. Oh, I'm just totally lost. (laughs) <laughs> uh, on our uh, on our favorite sports betting site, it is it is listed as a draw, no bet. So do with that what you will. Interesting. They kept it consistent there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And I don't think enough could be said about Trinity Rodman for the Washington Spirit. Absolute incredible player. Uh, you know, I think people often go to the headline of, well, Dennis Rodman's her dad. That's great. Hall of <laughs> Fame player. One of my favorite basketball players ever. Obviously mm-hmm. an interesting character uh, from what I've read and what I recall as well. But Trinity Rodman is a fucking monster uh, herself. Just a wonderful player to watch. Uh, Pace was a, was the NWSL Rookie of the Year. You know, ability to finish uh, in the final third. Just a just a fantastic player who is just a, a shining example of why the future remains bright for uh, U.S. women's football. And you know, without her on the pitch, I think this is a good flyer to take.
0: Nice. Yeah, she jumped off the screen and she does it
1: immediately. Like you, it doesn't take long to be like, oh, that player's better than, <laughs> than anybody else on the field.
0: Looking forward to seeing her and our our American women represent soon here in a few weeks. And like you said, we're gonna have a lot of stuff coming up.
1: I love it. Let's talk about it. The FIFA Women's World Cup. It's a, It's every year that it's been played has been a, f- a fucking phenomenal, phenomenal tournament. You know, you think about the 15 World Cup. Carly Lloyd scores six goals in the final. Crazy. <laughs> the, the 2019 World Cup. She
0: scored one from like 90 yards away.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, incredible stuff. The 19 World Cup in such a, like a weird time in our country. Um, obviously, it was pre-pandemic, but in my view, it's like that and the 2019 finals with the Raptors winning, like those are like the kind of your last two like old world, wow. cool sports events that I got to watch. Because even the Super Bowl that was played in 2020, like that had the, the looming specter of COVID kind of like hanging over. So the Tasty Bets podcast uh, is going to be your home for World Cup betting here. Uh, we're already prepping hard. Uh, you know, we're going to queue up some kind of Rocky-like montage of us watching NWSL game film uh reading everything on the internet about upcoming matches uh and we're going to watch every single every possible game we can of, of this world cup um some shit off the top of my head i believe there are eight countries and we'll talk we'll talk more about this in future episodes but just as a, a little taste um there are eight nations in this tournament who have never appeared in a world cup before wow, um, cool. and i believe this will this is this is also the first World Cup to have a 32 team field, uh, as opposed to a 24 team field. Again, I won't get too far into the greedy capitalist ghouls running FIFA as being a part of 32 nations in, in this tournament uh, and the differences that kind of happen with that. But you know, even though I dislike some of the corporate greed involved in that, it does give me more football to watch. So, like I get, it. <laughs> so you know, sometimes we we. Uh, uh, kind of maybe pull back on the morals a little bit and be like, well, if you're giving me more games, I guess I could live with that. Um, so, uh, and I had mentioned FIFA robbed us of a proper uh, Summer World Cup last year, but we're getting it this year. And you should tune into the Tasty Bets podcast because we're going to be talking about it, uh, analyzing it and enjoying the hell out of it.
0: Yeah, speaking of last year's very oddly timed uh, Men's World Cup, no Qatar in the women's... Uh, They didn't qualify? (laughs) No, no. They didn't make the final 32. You know, they're a footballing powerhouse. Mm. There's always always four years from now. A lot of fun futures on the board. Did you have any... I mean, obviously... You've got your uh, Lady Lions. What do they refer to as officially? Ooh,
1: buddy, put me on the spot. I do believe Lady—I have heard Lady Lions. You know I love a good nickname, and I I usually—I typically—I haven't paid, like, a ton of attention as to what the media calls them. I always just kind of think of it as the men's and the women's tournaments are both technically the FIFA World Cup. And um, I remember—rest in peace to the legend Grant Wall—tweeting, when Marta set the scoring record for the World Cup— He said factually that Marta is the all-time leading scorer in the World Cup. And a bunch of fucking neckbeard dudes had to had to reply to him and be like, in the Women's World Cup. It's like, no, FIFA keeps these records. These are all the World Cup. Marta is the all-time leading scorer in the World Cup. That is an ironclad fact. There's nothing you can say to argue about this. So I kind of I take that similar approach. I will refer to them colloquially myself as the Three Lions, because that's what the England national team is. But I often just refer to what, whichever team I'm talking about, I like to refer to them as the English English national team.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Couple, a little quick Googling in the background here. They are nicknamed the Lionesses, courtesy of oh, Wikipedia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so very close. Um, looks good. like the Lady Lions are uh, Penn State's women's uh, volleyball team. <laughs> Also a powerhouse,
1: I believe. I mean, the color scheme matches up.
0: Great Um, (laughs) call-out. England, our Lionesses, plus 380. eh, Odds are a little bit lean. Um, I was looking at, speaking of Marta, Mm. who's, I think, is is this her sixth or seventh World Cup? It's some ridiculously astronomical number of World Cups she's playing in. Um, It's either six or seven. I want to say six. Brazil is plus 2,900. And one thing I did notice... Watching the NWSL, a lot of Brazilian talent sprinkle sprinkled all throughout the league and up and down the pitch. Defense to the midfield, all the way up to striker. Um, so I don't know. Footballing nation, great history. You kind of feel like at some point a country like Brazil will elevate themselves into the upper echelon. So maybe they don't win the tournament outright, but you know, obviously with a bet like this plus 2,900, if they reach the semifinals or the finals, there's plenty, plenty, plenty of opportunity to cash out with some kind of hedge. So I'm also going to go ahead and put a half unit on our Brazilian women's football team to win the 2023 FIFA world cup plus 2900. What do you think about that? Sign me up. Let's do it. I'm rolling with you plus
1: 2900. Come on. That's good value. I'm totally with you. I feel like as, as a nation Brazil, I they're smart enough uh, of a football nation. Obviously they're probably arguably the greatest footballing nation ever. Um, They just got to be looking at and be like, we can't keep getting our our heads caved in by the USA. Like we can't let the USA be better at any type of football. I don't care if it's beach football, indoor football, whatever. Doesn't matter. You can't be better than us for this long. So I I like it at those odds. And speaking of England, a lot of injuries, the plus 380, not quite. I feel like minus uh, some of those, I might consider it, but and I am always, as I think I've previewed before, I am typically uh, going to place a bet on England to win the World Cup, as I did this past uh, Men's World Cup, um, and I did, I think, four years ago before. And you know what? There's still time for me to talk myself into it, despite those injuries. But let me go along for the ride with Brazil, because if, uh, if the USA doesn't win it, or England doesn't win it, I- I'd love to see uh, Brazil
0: win it. Wonderful. Yeah. Again, shout out to the legend Marta. Absolutely. Um, who knows? Maybe we get Messi, you know, winning his um, elusive World Cup, followed by Marta winning her elusive World Cup. Different odds, you know, um, different <laughs> <laughs> different uh, challenge to overcome. But like I said, that number was way, way, way higher than I was expecting. You know, just kind of like looking at the rosters. And again, the history. As you know, I'm a history buff. I love it. So it's also transfer season, not only in the NBA, but – In the Premier League. A lot of big news this week. Where do you want to get started?
1: I Let's just take it. The time will come. Ilkay Gundogan to Barcelona. I don't want to talk about it.
0: (laughs) Um. (laughs) Oh, man. I actually didn't know that. You're breaking news to me. That is a bummer. I mean, he's probably... I mean, KDB is my guy. Obviously, our diamond Phil Foden, also my guy. I think Gundogan's like right there in terms of like my favorite guys to watch on your, on your squad.
1: There's so many times where he just felt like the key to everything. Yeah. God, I hate to make the comp to Belichick, but it's just like, you know, they asked him to stay. I don't know how many, I think the sticking point was the years, but also a part of the sticking point is that he's just like, do I want to continue living in Manchester or should I go live in Barcelona? Um, tough. Tough. Uh, not maybe not that tough of a choice to make. He's a fucking legend. We don't win the treble without him. He he gave us seven years of just amazing steady play. I think I commented a few podcasts ago, might have been several podcasts ago, that he's just such a a German player. Then I try not to assign like nationality traits to people, but he's a he's just a German player in the sense that he shows up. He's like, okay, there's a football game today all right, I'm going to play and I'm going to make the right passes and I'm going to put my guys in position to win and then we're likely going to win the game. And then I'll walk off the pitch and kind of stone-faced and everything's fine. And I, I just loved every minute uh, of uh, Gundo being on the on the squad. So s- salute to my guy. Um, but I, it still hurts. Uh, he's gonna, it's going to take a lot to replace him. But that's the sad news. I want to hear... Some good news. <laughs> uh, so please, the floor is yours. Please talk about your boys.
0: Oh, my God. What a window. <laughs> I think the first big domino to fall – well, you know, I, I was a little bit bummed. Gundogan was rumored to be um, maybe kind of like batting his eyes at Arsenal or maybe it was going the other direction. Or maybe we're all just negotiating uh, – Another quick note on him, he never really, I don't know, you talk about like people like taking plays off, talking about Belichick in the NFL. That guy never took plays off. He was always just kind of in the mix and, you know, just making it really difficult, keeping you on your toes. And just the moment you fell asleep, he was doing something super dynamic. So, I mean, I'm actually pretty excited to see him in Barcelona. I feel bad for you. (laughs) Um, And one other quick note Manchester is a fucking dope city. I got the chance to visit few years back. A lot of music culture. Mm-hmm. Obviously my favorite band of all time, Joy Division from Manchester. Very cool nightlife scene. The people are cool. They've got an edge to them. I mean, the city dates back to like some I think it's the I don't know, it's like one of like the oldest industrial cities in the world. Yeah. It was like the the original industrial capital of the world. Mm-hmm. Um so just incredible DNA in that city. So Barcelona another Unfucking believable city. <laughs> you had a good, great time in <laughs> Barcelona. Shout out to my brother David. We had a blast there. Um, I, I don't want to say you can't go wrong, you know, because obviously, like, you've got the weather and all the different factors. But I guess what I'm saying, don't sleep on Manchester. You know, if you're listening out there, make a trip of it. Um, obviously, like, one of the football capitals of the world but so much more to see there. Shout out to that place.
1: I love it. Good. I did not expect a Miami guy to to give me that. That is fantastic. I mean, I am obviously from the Rust Belt and from an industrial city. Um, and yet, to your point, Manchester being a capital, like an industrial capital of the world at one point, also me working in organized labor, uh, trade unions were, were gigantic and uh, without getting too far into it, I've read about it in, in a couple of Manchester City books, but I am loosely aware that the formation of the Manchester Football Club uh, came from trade unionists. Wow. Uh, so I, I remember reading that and be like, "Holy crap! What a what an amazing uh, pick by me blindly in 2005 because of Claudio Reyna." Like <laughs> now, I know my my team has roots in, in trade unions, so I am actually planning a voyage to Manchester early next year to catch the treble winners uh, in their, in their treble defense year. Haven't, haven't completely ironed it out yet, but I got some loose dates on, on the docket with uh, my wife, Jennifer. So yeah, looking to get out there soon, but I think perhaps Gundo may, might be considering the weather and some other factors when choosing Barcelona uh, for his
0: next journey. It's funny. You, you've got the, the trade union DNA as a tie to Manchester. Uh, I've obviously got the the technology DNA for your know, day job at work in tech. Um, <laughs> funny side note that when I was in Manchester, I think that same weekend was the weekend that Pokemon Go came out. So it's just <laughs> hundreds of teenagers running around Manchester with their phones and, you know, external batteries plugged in and just chasing, you know, chasing nothing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just a really funny, you know, time capsule of like, Oh, remember that time when every everybody was like, uh, just running around like, uh, you know, God knows what. That's incredible. Anyway, back to my boys. <laughs> Two huge signings. Um, things kick off in earnest with, um, let's start with Kai Havertz. $65 million transfer fee from Chelsea. I mentioned this to you during the week. Chelsea was such a circus. Mm. This is typical fan shit, so pardon me for, for being a fan here. I thought Havertz was terrible at Chelsea. <laughs> I'm just gonna admit it. I don't care. Yeah. Um, no, it's fine. was I really excited when we signed him? Of course I was. One thing I am able to hang my hat on with Kai Havertz, the guy is always fucking open. Yeah. He's always just getting a free header with like nobody within two or three yards of him. Like always. Does he sink it? No. <laughs> but Chelsea's a circus. Things are crazy. Who knows what kind of headspace he's in? I'm really hoping that I don't know, it seems like such a weird signing, but this one feels like there's some science to it. Like, I think, I think they know something about how their team's constructed. And like you said, I think, you know, maybe it's that, that number 10 role. I think there's, there's a world where, you know, he's brought in to maybe give Gabby Jesus a little bit of a kind of competition mm. in that finishing spot. So I'm not really sure because like midfield's pretty, pretty locked in, or I guess when you kind of like look across the wings and you got Odegaard basically kind of controlling the ball. Um, the next guy they brought in, Declan Rice. Another hundred million dollar guy. I, I I really need to kind of ask you about him. My Declan Rice experience. I mean, he's obviously a st- still a young guy. I'm not really following West Ham. I'm not a you know true Moyes head like you are. <laughs> but my my experience is really just kind of like seeing him flash really great ball skills and just win. He's also hurt us a couple times uh, in head to heads. But what what do I need to know about Declan Rice? Real quick on. On Havertz. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I love your assessment of him always being open. I think the kid is a genius. Like, I think he's a genius footballer who knows where to go. And that's why I kind of like him in that number 10 role where I think he can score goals, but I think he can help create goals. And to your point about Chelsea, nobody's fucking creating anything over there. Everybody's just <laughs> running into each other. It's the, it's the, with like the electric football, with the blah, 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 and every, everything's just bumping. So yeah, like people are like, "Oh, maybe the, he's kind of a diva or whatever." I think he was just mad that he signed with one of the premier clubs in the world, and every and nobody knew how to run anything. And then all their assets got frozen because their team owner was a Russian oligarch. Like a lot of bad looks, and I still have the nightmares of him scoring the fucking winning goal against Manchester City in the Champions League final mm. seems like an important goal to score. Um, so, like, I think the kid has some metal as well. So, I I mean, I love it. Um, and full disclosure, the year, so what what version of FIFA was that? It was like FIFA 19 or 20 or whatever whatever it was for PS4. I Havertz was on the fucking transfer thing, and I signed him to Manchester City, and then weeks later Chelsea signed him. <laughs> and I was like god damn it i have the same taste in players as chelsea <laughs> <laughs> and they totally screwed up he was a monster in my rotation it was disappointing for for chelsea but i just think that they didn't use him right and i think he's going to be an excellent attacking midfielder for them part of the reason i think he's going to be a good attacking midfielder is to your questions about declan rice so i think I think Arsenal placed a bet here uh, in the spirit of the Tasty Bets podcast. Mm. When you talk about like him being a, a, a ball winner um, in, in space and uh, kind of having good control, I think they like that. They like his command on the ball. They like his defensive instincts. Rice can go forward uh, when you need him to. He picks his. He's good at picking his spots. I think it's a leadership bet. Mm. Um, so let's let's talk about Declan Rice, the leader at. First of all, he's 24. He turned 24 years old in January. Um, He was born in 1999, and so (laughs) a quick a quick sidebar of him being born in 1999. I have a question. I was 15, or no, I was uh, pardon me, I was 14 in 1999. Was Dino de Cespedes? Could you legally cast a ballot in an election in 1999?
0: I could, yes. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I I voted in two thousand. Oh, I you know I graduated high school in nineteen. I was in college in nineteen
1: ninety nine. Yeah, let's go. All right. So
0: yeah. So <laughs> even, and it's funny that you bring up his age, um, because you look up and down the Arsenal roster. Odegaard's twenty four. Martinelli's twenty two. Saka's twenty one. Saliba twenty two. You know, so Odegaard. I, I think I already mentioned Odegaard. Smith Rose 22. Yeah. So like, I think they've got a bunch of guys that are sort of phenoms, either homegrown or with a guy like Odegaard. I think they brought him over from Barcelona and he was a phenom, but then kind of flamed out Has since kind of found his footing. So you've got an ultra talented team that maybe is kind of calling out for a leader like that. Like even a guy like Gabby Jesus kind of understated, you know, he's kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say he's playing his game right? You know, he's not sort of like um, huddling everybody up and, you know, kind of like rallying the troops. Not that kind of guy. And, you know, Arsenal let, you know, um, Granit Xhaka go, you know, who was their guy? Like, absolutely the the emotional heartbeat of the team. Um, So this could be a play to kind of think about filling that gap. And then, obviously, if if you follow Xhaka's history specifically at Arsenal, very up and down. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I mean, he was... uh, maybe one foot out the door and not of his, by his own free will many a time um, before kind of like finding his way um, pretty much coinciding with uh, Mikel Arteta coming in. Oh my God. I'm just realizing Mikel Arteta is a year younger than me. Let's go. Okay. Where's the time gone? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Anyway, but yeah, Declan Rice, I think, I think that that leadership point is is a really great one.
1: So so let's think about it in, in the context of of his young career. So yeah, he's 24 years, this kid is 24 years old. He started every single match in Euro 2020, uh-huh. where the three Lions, the, the English national team, uh, went to a second place finish in just a fucking devastating loss to Italia in the final. Your boy, Bukayo Saka, fucking wonderful player. Uh, we, I mean, we, we have a love... For, every time we bring up Saka, we have a love fest for the kid. Fantastic player. Fucking hate that he missed that penalty. Any England fan who chastises him should be punched in the face because... Saka's awesome. I want him uh, to play for the English national team for the next 15 years. But, you know, I digress. Uh so second place finish in Euro 2020. Uh Declan Declan Rice started every single match in the 2022 World Cup where you know what? I'm not just saying it because we because I bet on it. Um we looked like winning it. We could have we could have won that tournament. We lost a close match to France. I honestly think France and England we're the best teams in the world, but the unstoppable force that is Lionel Messi was just going to. It was ordained by whatever higher power people believe in yep. that Lionel Messi was going to win that tournament, and I'm fine with it. But we absolutely could have won it, and I'm just going to say we because I don't care. Whatever. I'm-
0: <laughs> you know, Ar- Ar- Argentina lost to like Saudi Arabia, so I mean, like they they right. they, they they definitely looked um, super fallible. But um, yeah, I totally agree with you there. England was right. Right in that upper echelon of that tournament, all the way through.
1: And I will say, of of the sports teams that I root for, um, you know, even being like a born Cavaliers fan, the team that I am most uh, irrational about is the English national team. I don't know what it is they bring out in me that, like, you know, I started rooting for them in the 98 World Cup where they were supposed to win. Um, And, you know, they kind of flame out and it's like a national tragedy over there. I obviously didn't understand any of that, but I just remember being like, how do all the guys I like in FIFA, how did they lose? How did they get knocked out? Like, what? what is it? Sports aren't fair. And so there were times in this past World Cup that I was like, oh, does Hendo look, does Jordan Henderson look better than Declan Rice? But that was, I feel like that was me being irrational because, you know, Rice, he just has more legs. And it was, he was 24 trying to help lead a team. To the fucking World Cup, and and obviously Hendo has been through enough to where he was maybe a little more composed in the tournament. I will give people that criticism of Rice, but I think Rice comported himself uh, quite well. Um, to your point, he is the captain of the fighting Moises of West Ham. <laughs> uh, um, the the podcasting world's number one David Moyes fan, uh, Grant Angle. I, I I won't run away from it. Um, but you will recall that West Ham won. They lifted the European Conference League trophy just a few weeks ago. Um, so, you know, and I have joked about it, too. The European, the Europa Conference League um, has only existed for uh, roughly long enough to have a cup of coffee, just two years. But that's you won a tournament against other teams in Europe. And now Declan Rice comes to your boys, your squad with that experience as kind of a calming as a as a calming presence to be like, hey, I've played in some pretty big matches, boys. Um, and at, when you think, when you consider the whether you want to call it a collapse or whether you want to reference that City won 15 games in a row or whatever, I th- I think that matters um, in, in the context of the way your your squad played toward the end of the year last year.
0: That's a really insightful point about my guys, and not it's not something that I <laughs> I don't think I noticed. But if you look at some of the guys that they've brought in um, on pretty like high profile transfers, Gabby Jesus, Jorginho, Kai Havertz, Zinchenko, these are huge game players. Yeah. You know, these are all players that have played in huge games. And it's not just player from a big team. Like these are these are guys that have had big impacts um, in really, really big games. Arsenal's also, you know, kind of like looking. Some of the other leagues, I think they they uh, brought in Urien Timber um, from the Bundesliga yeah. defender to kind of help uh, spare us the, the 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 very scary Rob Holding minutes. Um, so hopefully hopefully, he works out, pull it for that guy. Um, I think that was like a $45 million transfer. But outside of that, I think they're kind of like, not only they're kind of like big game game hunting, you know, they're looking for guys that have played in these like, just kind of like massive kind of like fixtures. And are not going to be afraid of the moment. I love that. So
1: to that point, I went back um, because I'm a sicko and I just love. Well, I love rewatching games. Um, I went back and I watched the second leg of the semi final of the Europa Conference League. Naturally, uh, that West. <laughs> of course, why wouldn't I? Um, <laughs> that uh, that West Ham played against AZ Alkmaar of uh, the Dutch League. Uh, West Ham is up two one on aggregate going into the second leg of this semi final. So. It's it's in doubt. The result is in doubt, and we're we're playing the game in Holland. Uh, I found out through some nice googles that AZ Alkmaar, forty five minute drive outside of Amsterdam, possibly the only city I know in the Netherlands. I don't know. Uh, I'm not I'm not a geography major. Um, come on, man,
0: Rotterdam. Oh, come on, yeah, okay. it's the Sun Capital. Let's
1: go. <laughs> excellent yes I have heard that name Uh, you know full disclosure didn't know what country it was in okay so I've heard of Rotterdam Uh, excellent so yes 45 minutes outside of Amsterdam Uh, they're up 2-1 on aggregate and to quote our guy Eric Spolstra Declan Rice just put in a quote professional performance Um, Mm -hmm. he completed 91% of his passes He, he was just it just felt like he was always in the right spot for help defense. Had a look at goal on one, like uh, I want to say he was probably like twenty-eight, thirty yards out, but was just like fuck it, I'm gonna fire this, and it was on target. Um, and he made the keeper make a make a play, and he and he'll give you that sometimes. And I just. I've, I've been thinking of like, okay, so I've, I've obviously paid close attention to him for the English national team. And as the world's foremost uh, David Moyes fan, I've watched a lot of him at West Ham. But I really had to kind of think about like, he's like an omnipresent player for West Ham. And I'm like, okay, but how do I like, I know he's there. I know he has a good impact. I, he makes plays where I'm like, ah, yes, good. Good, good play. <laughs> like, but I'm like, well, how do I really characterize this? Because he's not flashy. So, football reference, the cousin of uh, one of the many cousins of basketballreference.com, um, and to spare American football fans the confusion, it is FB reference um, hmm. or FB ref is the it's the shorthand for it. They have a really clever metric they use on their website, and it basically takes a statistical profile of players compared to their peers. In the Big Five leagues, and of course, uh, for anybody per, who is perhaps uninitiated, the Big Five would be the Premier League uh, in England, La Liga in Spain, Bundesliga in Germany, uh, Serie in Italy, uh, and League One in France. I guess we'll still include League One in France, even though I've made my my scoffing at their league uh, well known on
0: this podcast. Um, yeah, we, but we then need to also- swap them out for the NWSL. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to start man. that campaign right now. Let's fucking go. Let's get them out of here. Yo,
1: cheers! Cheers to that. um <laughs> So yeah, well, you
0: want to uh, talk about a 91% pass completion? I mean, like that's all day in the NWSL. I mean, I was shocked at how many passes complete. Like it's just like you know the the possessions end with like a shot. <laughs> like pretty much every it's like watching basketball. um Sorry for that sidebar. No, no, I love it,
1: and that is not the case in League One. I think I once on this podcast referred to League One as MLS with better croissants. <laughs> um, so, uh, and yeah, guess what? PSG is going to win the league. Okay, great, congratulations. The best players want to live in Paris. Who would have thought? Um, at any rate, uh, so <laughs> let me get back to it. This scouting report metric in FBref, um, they can they compare the statistical profiles of peers in the Big Five plus games played in the Champions League and games played in the Europa League over the past year, the 365 calendar days. Um, just like in basketball, I'm not quoting uh, Raptor or LeBron and living by these stats. Um, this, these stats are not the end-all be-all, of course, but when I was trying to like really put Declan Rice's game into context, I thought there were some some really good statistics here to kind of tell a story of what I think he's going to bring to Arsenal. Mm. He has 1.73 interceptions per 90 minutes. And all these stats I'm going to quote are per 90 minutes. Uh, That's part of the metric that is in the 95th percentile of midfielders in the world. Uh, Per (laughs) 90 minutes, he has 1.59 clearances that's in the 83rd percentile. Uh, And he kind of, and I, you know, I can't remember if I said this earlier, he profiles to me, as a defensive midfielder type, yep. uh, I think that yep. is his natural role and why I think he fits so well with Havertz being an attacking mid. But I think of that defensive profile and you're like, okay, you're like that's kind of who he is. Well, the dude can give you some good work on offense. Uh, his progressive carries, which are uh, moments where he is holding the ball and he is carrying the ball upfield toward the opponent's goal more than 10 yards um, he has 2.42 progressive carries uh, per 90 minutes. That's in the 85th percentile compared to his peers in the midfield. And he has 6.6 progressive passes per 90 minutes. That's in the 80, 80th percentile. Progressive passes are passes of uh, I think more than 10 yards that are outside of your defensive 40 percent of the field. So he's giving like he's giving you these good longer passes in attacking positions. And lastly. Uh, you know, to try not to bombard you with like a million numbers here, 86.5 pass completion uh, per 90 minutes. That's in the 81st percentile. So we're looking at a guy who can give you smart defense, can intercept the ball and can clear the ball out, uh, but who can also give you some, some timely offense and just kind of help maneuver you back down the field. Now, Using those same metrics, to be to be fair, he is not necessarily the type of player. If you want him to go out there and Claude Makélélé, oddly enough, of formerly of Chelsea and formerly of Real Madrid, one of my favorite players to watch as a kid, um, he was the type of defensive me- uh, midfielder who would just run up on you, Kawhi Leonard style, and be like, "Oh, thanks for the ball. I'm taking this now. That's the end of this transaction." Declan Rice is not that kind of player. He is not going to win you a bunch of. 1v1 challenges, but you have Saliba and Gabriel for that. You have Zinchenko. I would have to maybe look at the metrics, but my eye test and him playing for City, I think he can do that a little bit. Mm -hmm. You got guys who who can run up on you and just straight up take the ball. But if you want somebody who's going to be in a good position and create difficult decisions for offensive players in the midfield and kind of as you approach the 18 of your own box, Declan Rice is absolutely going to give you that and he's going to give you that while also possessing championship medal, big game thinking and big game playmaking. And if you're going to give that kind of player to Mikel Arteta on top of adding a player like Kai Havertz, I think you're fucking cooking with gasball. I'm
0: I'm feeling all of that. I I just I just looked looked into this. Declan Rice put up all of these numbers, all of that performance, essentially being that dude at West Ham. Yep. So he led the team in minutes. Thirty two hundred minutes. Um the only other person over three thousand outside of Fabianski was Jared Bowen. Um then they got Suchek at twenty eight fifteen. And then it falls to Paketa, twenty one fifty one. Wow. He played fifty percent more minutes than Paketa last year. Incredible.
1: And from what I have heard on um, uh, I've referenced it before, um, the BBC's uh footballing podcast. Uh I think it's the day daily football with uh from the bbc from what i hear in the reporting and what i've read um he's just a culture setter kind of guy too pretty steady people like him and that's you know he wears the captain's armband for west ham there are obviously too many choices for the english national team for him for him to have that kind of responsibility but from some of the reporting that i've heard Mikel arteta and 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 Arsenal kind of look at it like, okay, we're getting this twenty-four-year-old guy. He's coming to the squad this year. We might have, we might have the future captain,
0: dude. I, I really believe that because they don't have that archetype yeah. now that Chaka's gone. You might be right on point with that. Um, just want to do a little bit of uh, housekeeping here. Anyone looking to bet on uh, the league <laughs> winner for the year twenty twenty three twenty four? Old PSG, um, slight favorites at minus four thirty. <laughs> sure Boring And um, your boys made some smart money moves last week it Looks like that Arsenal line that we got in at At plus 850 Look, I think it dipped down to plus 500 It's back up to plus 600 I guess we'll see how that one plays out
1: Man, okay I don't want to go back to Gundo leaving here But when we talked about Arsenal I think it was two weeks ago At plus 850 And that just feeling kind of outrageous Because they looked like winning the league for several weeks months in the season gundo's not going to be around
0: who takes his spot who would you want to see take a spot
1: i know this is going to sound kind of crazy i think our diamond could play in the midfield i don't i don't think he has to be an attacking player now do i think he might need to hit the weight room a little bit (laughs) i do but you know I think him and I think Foden and Gundo are both 5 foot 7.
0: Oh my god, they look, and they feel they seem so like so totally, totally different body types too.
1: 100%. I can't remember how, how Raj and uh Davo and the the Amazing Men and Blazers podcast refer to it, but they always talk about uh you know, Pep and his army of uh of smalls. Yeah, they refer to players as smalls and talls. And so we march out our army of smalls led by our one tall Essentially, uh, in <laughs> Holland, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Bernardo Silva, you know, I don't think he stands much, much taller than five eight himself. But that's the thing is that Silva, he's really flirted with leaving and has not really been shy about it. Um, Riyad Mahrez got an offer from one of those uh, Saudi Arabian teams in that league for forty five million a year. So, like, that's not. I mean, yay. Riyad, love you, buddy. Uh, Like I would love for him to stay, and I know, like we talked about, how like he kind of had the look about him. Like I never get to play in this squad. I'm one of the best players in the world. I'm so fucking sick of this. Like I want to leave. I almost wonder if can we talk him into like, hey, people are leaving. You're in the squad every week now, but is it too late? Because he could be like, yeah, but 45 million a year over there. Like I could do that. Now it's in a league that nobody watches and that nobody really cares about, but does he is he worried about that he's already won everything so why not go make 45 so i don't know man i like i do think like if you have Rodri behind phil i think phil could fit the gundo role next to de bruyne interesting but you know i mean obviously pep's gonna cook up a lot of stuff and and we still got you know we we talked about Grealish kind of coming into his own and and past pods, you know, that first year being a bit of a wash and then him really kind of finding his footing. We still got Calvin Phillips who Hmm. was much maligned this in his first season in the system. So now let's see what, and I, I believe Calvin Phillips to be a very bright, um, just a, just a smart footballer. And I think that he can catch on and, and do it. So um, and I think he has a great body type to kind of balance out some of our other smalls as, as it were. Um, so, you know, maybe if, if he kind of steps up to kind of beef up what we have in the back, um, then, you know, maybe, maybe we could be a little more comfortable with Phil running around the midfield trying to play make.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I w I would, I'd love to see him get a shot. It, that's such a hard leap to make, you know, to be kind of like. You know, younger, did he, did he come up through, I'm not putting you on the spot here, so I apologize, but he came up through like their academy? We bought him from Leeds. Okay. You know, you imagine that coming up from Leeds and being like, all right, I'm about to step into this spot um, on, you know, basically the world champions um, and just, you know, whatever, replace Gundo or Silva or whoever whoever's moving <laughs> on. Uh, maybe Riyad Mahrez. You know, I, I told you Riyad Mahrez had that one, two, three Doha look about him. <laughs> you did. It turns out it was right. <laughs> You did, man.
1: Um, Pep could sell it to Phillips as like, look, man, like I don't, I don't want you to to go out here and score goals. Like, you know, he wasn't a goal scorer at Leeds. He was more of a defensive midfielder type uh, who could Mm -hmm. just kind of body people out of the way. Um, Leave, leave that stuff. And you know, when De Bruyne, when KDB got hurt in the uh, Champions League final. The first guy off off the bench was Phil, yep. and it was like, okay, Phil, like we need a a genius playmaker to put to get the ball to people in their spots. And if you, and obviously if you have a look, you have a the greenest of green lights. Uh, maybe you put Phillips and Rodri back there, and, you know. With with Pep, you never know. Like we could play a four two 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 or whatever. Like, we could play a four <laughs> two three one or whatever the fuck. Like, you know, whatever. Like he'll put whatever combination out there. Um, I hope my math was right. My math was, yeah, my math was right on that. Four, two, six, three, nine. Yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. We can play a four, two, three, one if we want. Like, um, so you never, you never know what it, what it might look like, but, um, I have hope for Calvin Phillips and then, you know, I just, I would love, 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 love if we're going to lose Gundo and, uh, and if we're going to lose Marez, I want to keep one of Marez or Silva. Um, I love them both. I probably lean towards Silva because I know I've said on this podcast several times, I feel like there are just 30-minute stretches of games where Bernardo Silva is the best player on the field and he's playing on the same field as Kevin De Bruyne. Um, like, I would love to keep Silva, but I feel like he's kind of like, man, it rains a lot here <laughs> and, I, and I've won everything. Maybe I'll go live somewhere nicer. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think if they lost Silva on top of Gundo that's got to do something to their odds. It'd be tough, man. Mario's obviously great player, wonderful world class player, but never really, I don't know, found his footing there. So I, I don't think they'll miss him all that much. And there's they've got so much firepower there. But you know, all of that genius midfield, you know, just kind of like wondrous creativity uh, to have that much of that walk out the door. Very, very, very tough. Um, so great call there. But if there's anybody that can figure it out, it's our guy Pep. So you know, we'll keep our trust in him. With that said, let's hit the recap. Thank you for kicking us off with our, I guess it was our first official NWSL tasty tie, right? Let's go. Um, Racing Louisville against OL Rain. That one was plus 340. Oof, Very, very tasty. I think that that one's got a great shot of hitting. I jumped into the pool representing my hometown Orlando pride. I'm going to ride with them plus 360 tie no bet. FanDuel, get your shit together. I mean, we've got our terminology right in just one podcast. You're an entire global organization. I'm sure you can figure out the terminology. Um, But we're taking the Orlando Pride plus 360. Tie no bet versus the Washington Spirit this weekend. And we also tossed out our first World Cup bet for 2023. We're putting a half unit on the women's Brazilian national team plus 2,900. To win the World Cup, I think we did it. Did I miss anything? I think
1: that's it. Um, let me just say, um, as I update the doc here to make sure we capture these things, so we don't have any Jack Grealish to score the <laughs>
0: <or laughs> city to win. Jackie Gate.
1: <laughs> um, let me just say, you know what? Let, let me hop on. Ooh. Okay. Uh, right. Um, Tino bet. I, I'm 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 rolling with you. Um, this also, I love. I love the, the squad name Orlando Pride, and just just for any fools who might think otherwise, hopefully they, they've got the picture uh, by the way me and you talk about sports, the way me and you talk about just things in general. Um, it's the last day of Pride Month. Happy Pride Month to all of our uh, pals. If you don't fully support human rights, if you don't fully support all of our LGBTQIA plus uh, family Get the fuck out of here! You're not welcome. Um, we're we're rolling with everybody, uh, and as far as human rights goes, so uh, happy Pride Month, everybody. Hope everybody had a good time.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself. You can find us on Twitter and Reddit at Tasty Bets Pod. Subscribe to the Tasty Bets podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. That closes the book on our 21st episode. We can now legally drink with our show how about that how cool is
1: that we pop our seltzers we pop our beers whatever your drink of choice is we're popping them with the podcast and i'm just straight up birdman memeing let's get this world cup action going i am so fucking ready for it
0: absolutely yeah so stay tuned y'all thanks again man best of luck to you this weekend good luck buddy talk to you soon